Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. Guys, welcome into another episode of the Crimson Corner. I am your host, Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes insider for kslsports.com. And with me today, I have a very special guest, as is always the case every week. I mean, if we're being perfectly honest, because Utah Utes are the best, uh, that's why you're listening to this, I would hope. But uh, we have former Utah quarterback Jordan Wynn here to talk a little bit about what's what he's seeing in Utah thus far in the 2022 season, as well as giving his thoughts on, you know, what needs to happen against San Diego State this week. Uh, Jordan is someone that is very familiar with the Aztecs, having played them a couple of times, at least once, uh, with the Mountain West Conference, and it was probably one of his better games. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, playing down in San Diego, that poinsettia bowl against Cal, that was a huge win as a freshman for him. I have the sweatshirt. It's really <laughs> kind of hideous, but I still have it. <laughs> That's awesome. Jordan, how's it going? Well, everything is is just fine and dandy. How are you? I, I'm doing pretty well. You know, we're we're starting to get the hang of this whole new job and, and doing podcasts and things that I have never really done before. So we're happy about that. That's good. The podcast, <laughs> the podcast uh, it's a journey. It's different. Um, so kudos to you for, for getting it done and figuring it out or, or trying to and no, happy to be on. Well, we appreciate you big time. And yes, absolutely. Technology is not my friend, but we are making it work. So, you know, with that being said, what what do you feel like you've seen so far out of this year's team? Have they met your expectations yet? Um, tough to say. Um, obviously, the preseason hype may have been the highest um, it's maybe ever been um, tuning into ESPN and game day and hearing a lot of people, the majority of people, I would say actually picking the Utes to, to actually get into the playoff is, I mean, that's a lot, that's a high expectation. Um, obviously we'd all love to see it. I think you're one or two plays away from winning in the swamp. Um, you put up 73, whatever it was last Saturday so I think the the expectation is unknown still, and I think the team really is is a little unknown um, in 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 my mind at least. You know, you 
we saw some good things in the Florida game. The ability to drive down, I think, 90 yards um, in the two-minute situation was fantastic. There was some red zone woes. Ran the football well last week, you know, just um, really a complete domination. So this week's a little unique. San Diego State, I don't know if they're as good as they've been in the past, but they're still a solid program. And then you dive into conference play. So I think the jury's still out, but, you know, in the next few weeks, we'll have a pretty good idea. As a quarterback that's been thrown into some high-pressure situations, including a Wyoming game uh, where Utah was actually kind of down and needed a spark, that was your first time playing, uh, taking taking the lead for Utah, and you, you led the comeback. Watching Cam Rising's final drive in that Florida game, and, and getting so close, but coming up just short, you know, what are your thoughts as a quarterback that's kind of been thrown into a similar situation? Yeah, I mean, I think Cam's is a lot more high, high pressure than mine was. Um, that's just the beauty of being in the Pac-12. I thought, um, again, I thought he handled it incredibly well. I think um, those are tough situations. They're situations that Coach Witt makes sure are, are they're practiced, they're repped. So you know what you're getting into. You you know, honestly, we used to practice it so much, it almost seemed like it was easier in the game, um, which is what you want out of practice. Um, and so I thought he handled the the actual mechanics of the entire situation extremely well. Obviously, the, the last throw of the night was one I'm sure he wishes he had back. But um, I was talking to Bill Riley about this after the game on, you know, the following week. And... <clears throat> You can't fault Cam for trying to win the game. And I think that's something that got overlooked a little bit that week in that as a former player and a former coach, I would lean towards it's on the coaching staff to reel him in a little bit. And as a player in that situation, I'm sure if you ask Cam in that moment what he was thinking, he was thinking, I'm going to fit this ball in and we're going to score and win the football game. And that's a, uh, an incredibly aggressive and confident mindset, but that's something that you want out of your trigger man. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of my thoughts on that whole thing. I don't really, you know, it's easy to look and and say, well, there's three guys around him. What, you know, what's he doing? Does he slip? Um, but I look at it like, Hey, he was being aggressive trying to win the football game and, and it didn't happen. So you move on and bounce back. And I, I think they did that last week. What were some things that you liked last week? Obviously, you know, it wasn't the most exciting game. I think everybody knew that Utah was going to win and win pretty handily. I think they did exactly what you expect, you know, with the hype that they received. They should be doing to an FCS team. Uh, but but what were some highlights for you that maybe showed that they really took the lessons that they learned against Florida and applied them to the next week? Um, I mean, I think, uh, again, it's tough um, and nothing against Southern Utah, but um, when you play an opponent like that, it's it's a little tough to gauge really what's happened and what hasn't. I mean, I watched that game, talked about it on the show. Um, you know, defensively, obviously, the numbers really stand out. I think um, you hold a team to 85 total yards in four quarters is is astounding. That's, you know, 21 yards a quarter. Um you know, offensively, they had the fumble, which which wasn't ideal. But, um, I mean, the running game is where it needs to be, in my mind at least, to to be able to 
have a lot of success, especially getting into conference play and, and beyond. But, um, you know, for me, it's always been the situational stuff. And I feel like Salt Lake in general probably has heard me talk about it too many times and, and I'm being a dead horse, but really it, that's all the game of football comes down to is, is situational football, you know, first and 10 between the twenties, there's a lot of people that can have a lot of success. There's a lot of coaches that can call a lot of successful plays in those situations. To me, it's um, what do you do on third down? And last week they were great on third down. They're five for 10. Um, if you're converting 50% of third downs, you're probably going to be in the top 10 in the country. You're going to extend drives. You're going to keep, keep the defense resting. And those are, I mean, third down is, is we used to have a, you know, third down is the only down. Um, you, you'd love to get ahead of the chains and, have second and short or, or just continue to convert first downs, but it really doesn't matter what happens on first and second down if you convert on third down. And so they did a nice job of that. I thought they looked good in the red zone. Um, obviously no real two minute situation or anything like that, but uh, th those are the things when I'm watching the games, you know, when they get in the red zone, when they get in third down, when they get into the two minute situation, um, you know, when, when, when you get a lead, and you're trying to run out the clock, the four minute situation, which they haven't had an opportunity to, to, to go through that in a game this year. But those are the kind of kinds of things that I pay attention to and look at. And, and I mean, last week, you know, really just the third down and red zone situation where we're addressed and, and they look good. I think the nice thing about this schedule for Utah has been, they know exactly where they stand right out of the gate, playing a team like Florida and good or bad, they had notes. Uh, and honestly, I mean, yes, they did not win that game. It's a game that they probably would have, could have, should have won. Uh, but credit to Florida, they came prepared and, and they got that like last play in that determined the outcome. However, I think there was more good you could take from that game than bad per se. Uh, so, I mean, Utah goes into Southern Utah knowing exactly what their weaknesses are, what they need to work on, what they need to really focus in on, hone in on. It's a nice kind of game, I guess, to kind of recover from, from the intensity that is playing in the swamp. And then you, you follow it up with a game like San Diego State, where it's a step up from even Southern Utah, not quite as hard as Florida, but not quite as easy as Southern Utah. What are some things that you're looking for from this team heading into the game on Saturday? Um, yeah, I mean, I, th I think uh, they need to go put up another dominant performance. I think anything really short of that, um, not necessarily as a letdown, but um, will be a trend in the wrong direction. Um, and again, nothing against Southern Utah. You know, you look at what happened last weekend in college football. I mean, Notre Dame and A&M both, both paid, you know, group of five schools, millions of dollars to, to come and beat them. So things, things can go, you know, south really quickly um, in this game. And um, so they just need to, they just need to go out and do what they, you know, what they do, run the football, assert the, uh, themselves at the line of scrimmage, tackle well. I know that was a big stressor coming out of Florida, especially the coach Witt about how many missed tackles there were and um, just continue to improve. That's, kind of the the beauty of a non-conference schedule such as this one like you're saying you you get a real true away test early in a in a solid program in a really hostile environment in Florida and then you get to come home play you know against a team that you should be pretty handedly and they did and now you get 
um, sort of that mid-level test in San Diego State, a, a team that's honestly historically within the last decade has, has been pretty solid uh, between Brady Hoke and Rocky Long. Um, really good coaching staff. They get good players. They play hard. Um, they're they're essentially what we were, um, you know, 12 years ago. Crazy to say, but when we were in the Mountain West, you know, a team that's kind of on the outside looking in, trying to find a way to to knock down the door. And so Utah's going to get their best shot um, Saturday night, and and you know the ability to 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 weather that and and put up another dominant performance would be a move in continuing in the right direction going into conference play. Well, you talked a little bit about San Diego State. I think you're uh, a little more familiar with them than most. Have you looked into this year's team, and, and what do you like about them? I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't had a whole lot of uh, chances to watch them. Obviously, I know they lost. They lost in Week One to Arizona, and I think an Arizona team that's um, sort of on the rebuild. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of a different deal there. I don't. I don't really know what to make out of Arizona quite yet. But um, they went into San Diego and beat them, and then San Diego State played Idaho State, I believe, last Saturday and beat them pretty handily. So, in terms of you know, what exactly you're going to get out of them. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. I do know that, you know, playing quarterback for them is, is a kid named Braxton Burmeister. He's a San Diego guy. We actually recruited him when I was on the staff at Utah. Very, very capable person played at, he's played everywhere. He's transferred a ton, but um, a threat with his legs, like capable passer, capable runner, you know, what you're always going to get out of San Diego state is, is an attempt to, um, assert themselves at the line of scrimmage they're they're going to try and run the football and control the clock and and play good defense and that's kind of been their mo really going back shoot a long a long time um you know really since brady hoke took over the program obviously he left rocky long comes in and um does his deal and and uh you know they've kind of always been that way and so i don't know what to make of them per se um We'll obviously find out on Saturday, but it's it's a team that they 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 really have nothing to lose. And anytime you play a team like that, um, you're going to get their best shot, especially early on. And if you can handle that and and kind of take that first punch, you know whether it's a trick play, um, doing something different to try and impact the game like a team would do in that situation. If you can weather that, handle that. And then really, you know, right up Utah's alley, control the line of scrimmage, then then the Utes should be fine. And I think the line right now is 21 points. I, you know, that that sh- should be attainable, I think. I mean, I think Utah should kind of run away with this thing in the second half. You mentioned that San Diego State is a team that has nothing to lose. I think we saw that last season when Utah mm-hmm. traveled down to Carson, mm-hmm. uh, not quite San Diego. Uh, but they they absolutely played that way, and Utah kind of slept walked through the game until Cam Rising came into the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much do you feel like revenge plays a factor in this game, and and is that a dangerous rope to walk? Uh, I mean, if I was playing, I one hundred percent would be you know in a, re- a very revengeful state uh, based on what happened last year. And obviously, there's a lot of nuance to that. Obviously, you mentioned Cam came in and. Um, the offense looked completely different and just really came up a couple plays short and in the overtime there. But 
<clears throat> you know, it's it's interesting because you think about San Diego State's kind of mentality is is we got these guys last year, so they sh- they're going to come in with some confidence. Um, but if I was on the you know the team now at Utah, and I'm I'm sure these guys are thinking that way, um, they want revenge. I mean, there's there's really no other way to say it. Um, when you lose a game like that to an opponent that you should beat, um, you want to come out and make a statement and say that that was a fluke. Um, we're the better program. We're the better team. And, and here's what it really looks like. And uh, I think that we're going to see that, you know, San Diego state <clears throat> is a good program, but it's very different. Um, whether you're playing in the old Qualcomm stadium, Carson stadium, wherever they're playing now, I'm not sure. I know they were trying to build a new stadium at one point, San Diego, who knows, but, Coming into Rice Eccles is is a a different animal, and you get the crowd in it, and you go put up, um, you know, some some big numbers early on. Like I said, and kind of weather that initial confidence surge from San Diego State, and you start wearing them down in the run game and making big plays happen in the throw game and getting turnovers, forcing negative plays on defense. I mean this it's not an easy place to come in and play and it can, it can get away from you quick if you're not, not prepared. And and hopefully that's what happens tomorrow night. Talk about camerizing. You mentioned, you know, that was kind of his coming out party was getting thrown into the San Diego state game that looked kind of hopeless by the time they put him in. What, what makes him so special in your eyes? Again, having been a guy that's played that position before. Um, honest, the thing that really, every time I watch him, that is always surprising to me is his ability to, to run the football. I think that's a really overlooked trait that he has. Um, even with the success he's had, you know, such on running the, in the Rose bowl. Um, he, he's very capable as a runner. And I think because Utah doesn't run a true, um, kind of RPO spread offense, that we don't get to see it as much, but that's something that's always surprised me with him. I think as a passer, he's um, incredibly accurate. I think he makes for the most part, fairly good decisions. I think he understands um, and has enough experience. Now the games within the game, like I talk about the situational football, things like that. I think he's smart with the football. Doesn't typically doesn't make, you know, bad decisions and turn it over. Um uh, but that going back to just the, his his capability in the run game has something that's is something that's always really surprised me, and I think it's he does a nice job of almost lulling you to sleep. You don't expect him um, to be a runner, and as soon as you start to hone in and and think about creating pressure or trying to take away the the read zone game to the back, he pulls one or steps up in the pocket and scrambles and. Um, kind of reminds everyone that that he is that capable runner who who can make plays with his feet and that's um those guys are really hard to defend you know you have um guys that are true true you know dual threat guys um that run read zone all day and can make plays with their feet you have guys that are just pocket passing type style guys but the guys that can kind of lull you to sleep but have the ability to pop a 20 or 30 yard run whether it be from a design or a scramble, those are the ones that are really dangerous because I think a lot of defensive coordinators don't spend a lot of time scheming for that. And I, I think he does a really nice job of that. He does a nice job of not taking the big hit. 
and um, finding ways to extend the play. And, and that's something at the position that's incredibly valuable. I really don't recall from when you were playing. Did you have a cool nickname like Thick Boy 7? Or are you jealous of that? <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm not thick, so I could never have a nickname like that. I, <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have very many nicknames, so I don't think I had one. I remember at one point the, the North End Zone were wearing fake mustaches because I had like peach fuzz uh, on my top lip. And that was probably the extent of of any nickname or, or fun things that the fans did. Um but he's, I mean, he's definitely that, that it's a, it's a pretty cool nickname. And obviously with the NIL stuff, the the wild world we live in now, the, the ability to sell merchandise and um, really take advantage of some of those things is, is really cool. Talk about some of the weapons that Cam has available to him. I mean, you had some great weapons as well, but I mean, talk about guys like Brant Keithy and Dalton Kincaid. Uh, how helpful would it have been to have guys like that? Yeah, I mean, those two are, are definitely um, pretty incredible. I mean, I think they're both going to get a chance on Sunday to play at, at the highest level. Um, they're really unique matchups. Um, you know, you can't really put a linebacker on them because they're going to beat them in, in the throw game, and you can't really put a, a defensive back on them because they're just going to, you know, body them and out-physical them. So they present, you, you know, unique challenges. Um and not to take any, you know, I played with some phenomenal guys, the David Reeds and Jeremy Brooks of the world, Shaky Smithsons. I mean, there, there were some incredible players, Kendrick Moyai. Um, you know, I had Eddie Wide, Matt Asiata, John White in the backfield with me. I had some incredible talent around me. But mm-hmm. um, there's definitely, you know, this, this roster is very talented. Um, and so it's really wide open. I think, um, you know, it really just starts with the ability to run the football with the offensive line and with Tavion in the backfield. If you can do that, um, you can open, open up a lot of things and it makes it really easy as a quarterback when there's that balance. And I think Ludwig does a great job of that, putting them in situations where um, he mixes in, you know, play action, he mixes in read zone, he mixes in fly sweep. He mixes in drop back pass. He mixes in quick game. I mean, there's a there's a multitude of different looks and different sets that you're going to get, and it creates a lot of confusion. And and you throw in the ability to run the football like Utah, you know, historically has been able to. And for a quarterback, it's um, it's really fun to play in a system like that and and to have the weapons that he has. Historically, Utah has been a very defensive minded team. I think this year, it. And even last year, uh, it, it's hard not to say that the offense hasn't really carried the team, which is a big <laughs> switch from how it kind of has been, even when you were playing and even with some of the talent that you just mentioned there. What's it like for you as an offensive guy to see the offense actually be the ones that maybe ease Utah's burdens these days? Yeah, no, it's... um it's definitely different. Like you mentioned, um, anytime you play for a head guy, that's a, a more of a defensive minded guy. Naturally the players, the coaching staff, everybody in the, in the program is going to take on that mindset. <clears throat> and um, the success Utah's had both in, in the college level and producing NFL players on defense has um, always been there. There's always been a, a, a plethora of talent on that side of the ball, a ton of guys that play on Sundays Um but it's always awesome to see the offense, you know, perform and, and play at such a high level. And we used to always joke, um, 
you know, going into the 2010 season, that was probably the the most continuity we had on offense. And I remember getting after the defense in spring ball and, and looking around, you know, saying this is different. This is going to be different. And, you know, lo and behold, I end up with uh, I don't two, two shoulder surgeries that year. I don't even remember. But um, so it's it's awesome. Anytime that um, the offense can ease the burden, like you said, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, is always going to be a positive, not only for the program, but as a fan to be able to watch and go, we're not going to see a, a 20 to, to seven uh, football game. Um, we're going to see the offense be able to produce, be able to put points on the board and score. And, um, you know, that same typical, uh, very tough um, Utah defense that everybody's accustomed to. And when you pair those two together, um, you know, that's, that's why, last year's team went to the Rose Bowl and then was a few plays away from beating Ohio state is you had a very capable defense like you always do, but you, you also had a, a really uh, versatile, difficult to defend um, Utah offense. And if you have both, both of those um, phases functioning at the level that they were last year, um, it's, it's tough. You know, you look around at the conference, I don't know how great USC's defense is. Obviously their offense is super prolific and they're going to put up a lot of points, but you know, th- they give up a lot of yards in the run game. Um, and you look, you look across the the league. And so it's, it's, it's very similar. Um, so I like Utah's chances, right? I mean, if they can get, continue to get things figured out on the offensive side of the ball, I, I think the defense, everybody knows is going to be shored up and squared away. And um you know, hopeful for another really successful season. You were a guy that was a bridge between the Mountain West days and the Pac-12 days. Uh, You got to dip your toe into a little bit of both. What do you think of the team now uh, that they've been in the Pac-12 for a while? I mean, the biggest thing, I I think it's no secret, really. um, When we moved to the Pac-12, um, the top to bottom roster, I don't know if it was where it needed to be to compete. I think um, the ones that we had, the starters that we had, I would throw them in with, with just about anybody out there. Um, I, you know, I go back to that first year. I mean, week two, we go to SC and we're a blocked field goal away from forcing overtime. So um, that's the biggest jump. Um, when I go around the facility or or I'm around the players or, see them out or anything like that. Um, just the way that, that they look, the, the body types that they're able to recruit now, the athleticism that they're able to recruit, you know, when I was getting recruited and, and a lot of the guys years before me and, and shortly after were um, very much similar t- type of recruit. We were the two to three, maybe four star kid that was probably overlooked either due to size or maybe didn't quite have all their athleticism yet in high school and, and came into the program with a, a massive chip on their shoulder and um, was incredibly hungry to perform and, and prove people wrong. And I think as the years have gone by, um, that's changed a little bit. And, and I, you know, it's, I would say it's for the better football's a game, you know, it's, there's, there's a saying it's, it's not about the X's and the O's it's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's and it's, it's about the players and it always will be. And so as they've made this move and continued to have success in this league, they've been able to recruit high, high caliber and high talent, highly talented players. And and that's what wins you football games. And, and so, you know, sitting back and, and watching um, and just looking at some of these guys, I mean, we didn't have guys that looked like some of these guys and um, it's just great to see. It's a testament to coach Witt. He's always harped on recruiting. Um, 
and 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 that's really what makes the program tick and and they've done a phenomenal job of that how much pride do you have in the fact that despite and, and I don't think there's any denying the point that you just made Utah is recruiting at a much much higher level they can get guys that they couldn't get you know years ago however they still do have some success developing people and I think the latest success story is a guy like Devin Lloyd uh vastly under underappreciated, overlooked, nobody knew who he was, but Utah's finding a balance between getting guys that are ready now and still finding those kind of under the radar guys that they can develop and turn into stars. Yeah, I I think um, it's a unique talent. It's hard. Um, I mean, I know firsthand, it's hard to project what a 17 or 18 year old is going to look like two or three years down the road. And so the, the easiest solution is go get a 17 or 18 year old that's ready now. That's, you know, what the Alabamas and, and Georgias do of the world. And, and like you said, Utah has been able to pluck some of those guys and get those guys in the program. And that's, again, a testament to um, the culture that's that's been instilled up there and, and just winning. Winning cures everything. Winning fixes every problem. And um, the ability to have success in this league on the national spotlight has obviously, you know, getting a guy like a Clark Phillips um, flipped from Ohio State, that's a that's massive. Um but like you said, there, there still are guys that, that Utah finds um, and develops and does a nice job with, and, and that's just a testament to the organization as a whole. I mean, it starts even in the weight room with the, with the strength staff, you know, the Doug Ellisize and the Greg Arguses of the world that, you know, a lot of people may not know, but those guys do a phenomenal job getting players in, you know, such as myself. I weighed 151 pounds my first weigh-in at Utah. By the time I graduated, I was 212, and – I mean, those guys do a phenomenal job and it goes all the way up, you know, throughout the entire organization, the training staff, the equipment staff, the support staff. Um, and it's, it's, it's really cool to see these guys, um, you know, come into the program and, and, and leave at, at such a high level when they were overlooked. And, um, you know, hopefully Utah continues to do that because having those guys on the team, when they come in with that, that edge, and something to prove is uh, is only a benefit. My last question for you, and this is maybe an unfair one. <laughs> I'm kind of on record saying I feel like Utah's the the most ideal goal for Utah this year is to go back to the Rose Bowl and win it. Do you think that is a good goal for them, or do you think they really should shoot for the college football playoff? Um, it's a tough question. I think. Um, Depends who you talk to, I guess I would say. If if you're asking like me back as a player, um, I mean there's only one goal, that's to be the best and to win and to win at the highest level. And if you're not if you're not planning to do that or or practicing or or preparing to do that, then then really why are you even doing anything at all? Um taking a step back and as a fan now, um winning the Rose Bowl would be, I mean, a, tr- a tremendous finish. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for me. I've such a different, you know, perception being in the program and, and at the end of the day, really, for me, it's all about just supporting the, the university that gave me so much support and supporting these athletes. Cause I know what it's like, you know, in the middle of January when it's snowing and you're up at 5am going to a workout. Um, I know what it's like when it's, you know, 
tipping tipping 100 degrees and you're going out you know at 5 p.m to to throw some extra routes to your receivers i know the work that gets put in and so for me it's more just yeah i want the program to be successful of course um you know, and, and, and you combine that with the injuries that I had. And so I, I watched the game like, hey, can you know, can everybody stay healthy? Awesome. Can Utah win the game? Awesome. Um, can we continue to improve and build as a program and as a university? Great. Like, fantastic. And I think that's what's happening. Um, anything beyond that to me is, is just cherry, cherry on top. You know, if they go to the Rose Bowl again and, and have success, fantastic. I loved every second of being a fan at the Rose Bowl growing up in Southern California. That's it's the granddaddy of them all for a reason. It's a phenomenal event, phenomenal production. Um, obviously would love to see them win that, um, to get to the playoff and and throw their hat in there against the Alabama or Georgia and see where they really stack up, I think would be incredibly fascinating. Um, and would obviously elevate the program to another level. Um, so I don't know what that looks like at the end to determine success or not. Um, so much has changed with the playoff and um, how bowl games are scheduled and who gets picked to go to which ones and how that plays out. Um, it's a little tricky to, in my mind, at least to say, but, you know, look, I'd love to, yeah. if you're going to be in something, be in it to be the best. And so if you're going to be in college football and want to continue to make waves and, and prove a point and continue to put the program on the map, then I think nothing, you know, you need to win a national championship. And that's obviously a very high expectation. And I don't know if that's, if that is necessarily the expectation, I think, um, but that's in my mind should be the goal. And, you know, if you set the bar high and you fall short and it's a win in the Rose bowl, that's an incredibly successful season. So um, that's definitely a tricky question. And that was a little long winded of an answer, but um, I don't know. We'll see what happens this year. Spoken like a former player, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that I think that's good perspective, actually, Jordan. Uh, and I really appreciate you jumping on with me here and and laying down your thoughts as to where Utah currently is and where they possibly could end up going in 2022. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, appreciate it. Sorry, it, it took us so long to connect, and I'm a, I'm all over the place. So I appreciate you being flexible and. I'm excited about the game tomorrow night. Absolutely. Thank you again. For those of you listening, this is the Crimson Corner. You've been listening to Jordan Wynn and Michelle Bodkin, your Utah Utes insider for KSL Sports. We will be back next week with a breakdown of San Diego State as well as a preview of Arizona State. As always, go Utes. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Martin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. 
who would help our newest neighbors. Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.